Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Hey, if you're brand new with us today, we're actually in part three of a four-part message that it's called, I Want to Believe, But... Uh, and to understand the idea of where uh, we live, and, and I believe there's so many people uh, that would really love to follow God, um, or God followers, and they would say, I want to believe, but. And so, however, this big, huge, fat but is in front of God, and it pulls them away. And for so many of us, we're trying, honestly, honestly, what we're trying to do here, even with this series, is we're trying to, if I could use this word, we're trying to shrink the butts, you know? We're trying to shrink the butts. I know a lot of you are working out this, and you're trying to get in shape for spring break. And for those who are traveling right now, you've already done the shrinking. Good job. But we're going to talk about spirituality side of shrinking those but and that's where we're at we're in part three of this and I believe uh, people know that they've got to be some kind of God right they, they, they know that but in their own world or their own truth uh, they have created a barrier you know it's like they're just walking straight into this wall or maybe it's a ceiling it's, it's a surface uh, and for some reason why they can't fully believe in God and what we have been saying since week one is people are not rejecting the true nature of God uh, and who he really is in his identity, but they're rejecting the distorted view of who God created by culture. And it's a very big difference between the two. But I think, I think since we do live in this place called Kentucky, we have our own culture, right? And we create our own stuff. And that's what we're talking about. People reject that culture, and it's not the true God. We have our churches that really are, some are strange, let's just be real, and, and some, uh, you know, are a little different. And, and then you got thir- some that just meet on the third floor of a loft. I mean, come on. That's us, Right? Uh, They're they're rejecting their own wrong view when they step into the worlds of the environments that we stage and we set to get closer to God. They're they're rejecting their own wrong view of who God really is in his nature and his character. And that's what we want to address. And that's why we just picked out this sermon series called I Want to Believe, But... And so now if you've missed any of the weeks, you've sort of been caught back up. And I want to encourage you, though, to go back to our podcast or our website, and play catch up and to understand where we've been and, and what we've been talking about uh, for the past couple of weeks. But uh, before we dive into today, I just want to give you a quick jump start for next week. I know a lot of people are traveling and you're going to be paying catch up. But uh, listen, I'm telling you, you don't want to miss next week. And one reason is because my buddy, Pastor James Hun, he's going to be preaching next week. And, and so he's a little bit older and wiser. He's got the great Fu Manchu going on. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he's going to be talking about a heartless God, a heartless God. And I want to encourage you to hear and listen to this message because I fully believe there will be some life change next week because of his message and his personal story in a heartless God. You see, I think if we're honest, if we're really honest this morning, we believe this is is perhaps one of the biggest obstacles we have left in our Want to Believe series. And or at least most of us in common, we, 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 we've, we've came across this in our life somewhere. And that's when people say this, I want to believe in God, but he just doesn't seem to care. He just doesn't seem to care. And that's where we're going next week. And so if you think about that, how can you, how can you believe, if you've ever heard these questions, how can you believe in God that's, that's all, that lets all these bad things happen in the world, Right? 
There are all these global tragedies or shootings. Besides my own life, look, look, at, look at me. Why would God allow these things to happen to me? Let's bring it down to me. I'm a good person, but still, this stuff happens. I, I want to believe in God, but I can't because I don't feel like he cares. And I hope you will decide to join us next week, next week as we sort of land the plane on the series and, and push into Easter, which I believe is going to be an amazing, amazing moment for a lot of people. But we got to get here first before we can go there. And so, man, I'm encouraging. If you know somebody that's, that sort of fits that mold, I just don't care. I don't feel like I, he cares about me. Man, you want to be here next week. You want to be here next week. Now, today... Um, I just want to talk about one thing, and, and I think it's going to really oh, uh, just challenge a lot of people. It's simply because we're going to talk about this idea of a killjoy God, you know, a killjoy God. Uh, that's what today's all about. And you may be asking yourself, what in the world is a killjoy God? Let, let me try to explain it in the best way I know how to. Um, I want to believe in God, but there, but there are just so many rules out there. There's too many rules. I want to believe in God, but there's too many rules. Has anybody ever heard that before? I want to believe in God, but I just don't want to have this boring life of a Christian because you, you've got all these rules of do's and don'ts, right? I don't want to know, I don't, I don't want to be known as a religious go-getter. Have you heard that one? Yeah, I know I've heard that one down the streets, you know, or a fruitcake, right? You know, I've heard that one. Uh, I, I want to enjoy my life, and I want to enjoy everything that comes my way. I, 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 want, I want Jesus, but I, I want to do it my way. Have you, have you heard that? Sound familiar? Any, any of those things? Growing up here in the local church, and I can say this because I grew up in this town, uh, especially in the local church, it felt like there were so many rules out there uh, of do's and don'ts, right? There were some these and thou's, right? And, and, and that, that I couldn't keep up with all of them. I literally couldn't. If you don't believe me, ask some of my Sunday school teachers. I broke every single Ten Commandments. Well, not really. But, you know, it's just one of those things where, especially in the Sunday school world, we create our own Sunday school list of Ten Commandments, you know. Uh, and I broke all of them simply because, you know, ADD kid, it's just me. You know, I'm kind of spastic some days. Uh, that's, I blame that one on my mom. Anyways, it, it, it could be one of those moments of transparency uh, about what I felt going on inside. And when I looked at many of the Christians in my church, now this is where it gets really, really sticky. I just didn't like them. I, is that okay to say that in church? I mean, today, is that okay for a pastor to say I didn't like them? I, I, I didn't. Um, it, it made me feel weird and awkward. Uh, but here's the truth. My counselor tells me to tell how I feel all the time. And so I didn't go to her this week. And so I'm telling you guys, uh, you're all way cheaper than her. So I'm just being honest. Um, uh, but I, seriously, I do love my counselors and those who deal with those things. And if you're not seeing one, man, I would encourage you just to go and uh, just try it. Just try and see what happens with your marriage. I mean, I guarantee it can encourage it, even you and personally as well. But back to church people. Um, this is going to get really weird really quickly. But, you know, I, when I looked at my friends, when I looked at my friends, I just looked at them and I said, man, you're all fake. You're You're hypocritical. And I'm in the church, right? I grew, up, I grew up on the back row, dude. I really did. I was a back row Baptist, but then I got moved up because my mom and dad were in the choir. They gave me the laser eye. It was one of those moments of clarity. I could not sit on the back row. I had to sit like on row three. Uh, but I always got those, those laser eyes if I did something wrong. There was do's and don'ts for me, man. There was tons of do's and don'ts. And, and, and then when I looked at them, you know, they walked around like, I, I won't do it, but they were 
holier than thou. You know, it's one of those moments. You know what I'm talking about? They were really holy, claiming one thing on Sunday, but then they would do something totally different through the week. Anybody know those guys? They would get up and pray in front of the church on Sunday and act like they are just like, oh, Jesus' right-hand man. But then during the week at school, they would be the worst trash talker you would ever see. They would sleep around, and they would party all weekend, starting on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and show up on church the next Sunday morning to get their sticker. Now, that's the church that I grew up in. Now, I don't know about you, but that's why I was so confused as a, as a young person inside church. And, and my guess is, is you know some as well. A lot of you guys grew up in church, and, and my, my hunch tells me you know some of those type of people. And, and here's the truth. Maybe you're sitting beside one. Now, I'm not going to ask you to look to your left or right because now everybody's dead on focus on me because you don't want to look. But maybe it's you. Now we're going to take it on down. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're the reason why people don't go to church. Hey, just because you're here this morning doesn't mean you're exempt. That's why God says over and over again in his Bible, less of you and more of him. He says that over and over again in, in the gospel. And I wish I would have personally figured that out earlier on in my life because I followed in the footstep of some of those hypocritical people. I did. And man, I've repented from that stuff and I am sorry. And here's what I would say to you. If you've been wounded by the church because of me, I am sorry. If you've been hurt by the church because of some pastor and their man-made rules, I am sorry. Because that's not the gospel. That's a man-made rule. Some kind of bologna sandwich that just doesn't make any sense some days. But the truth is, it's hurt people. And I wish I could have figured that out earlier in life. But, I, hey, God's got a divine purpose and a divine time. And, a, and he just puts you in that right position so you can be humble enough to figure it out in your own journey. And I looked around as I continued just to, just to go deeper in my faith. How could I ever become that type of person who claims to follow Jesus but gossips behind your back inside church after you tell them something very personable? Or even uses it as ammo or leverage to get you to do something. Why would I even, why would I even want to be that person? I mean, I love Jesus, but a church? Come on, man, I'm, I'm good. I don't need that stuff. And if I could be really honest, and I'm going to take it up a notch. This is going to get fun real quickly, because I know some of y'all are in the same boat. Um, the way church people dress is some, it, it's just funny. I, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, we, we dress up on Sunday. I was, I was taught, and so I'm just picking on myself, okay? Uh, we, we and, and so don't be going and talking to my mother about this later on, um, but we, we wore things like uh, amazing suits. She would go out and buy all this stuff, all this gear, this nice clothes, but it was ridiculously boring. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, and, and, and I chose to wear, you know, we wore, we wore matching clothes. My brother, my older brother, my, me, and then my, my sister, we all wore matching clothes, especially on. Oh, man. Oh, man. You know how many pictures we got? I chose not to show any of them because I'm not proud of those. Just not. Not proud of those moments. My bowl cut. 
you know, not proud of those moments at all. You know, it was just waking up on Easter and we're all wearing the same purple plaid outfits. And I knew, like literally, and then I knew I was going to say that this week and I wore a purple shirt this morning. And I was like, oh, wow. And I remember, I mean, I remember these outfits, these, these purple outfits, just saying, mom, not cool. Thank you, but not cool. In fact, you know, I'm praying that my, my wife is not inspired by some of these older pictures and all these little things online. Like, oh, let's dress them up. No, that's not. It's not, it'll, it'll mess with them. It'll mess with my children later on in life. I don't want them to be like me. So, in fact, though, let's just be real. Growing up in the 80s and 90s for me, and we wore, we wore come on, if, you, if you're one of these guys, just, just maybe a little clap or at least a little, you know, raise your hand. You wore, you wore some jeans with holes in it, right? Because it looked cool, tattered ones. Uh, and it was not good enough in church, though. Do you know why? In my church? Uh, they, they claimed they were, they, were, they were just not good enough. And I, I, but I, I've, I, I was a little rebellion. I claimed they were holy, and, but it still wasn't good enough for some of the leaders, right? And in some of our youth groups, we wore these famous, famous bracelets called WW. Yeah, we, we proudly wear them. We wore the shirts, his pain is your gain. You know, we wore them proudly. And we wore all these pegged leg jeans. We tied them tight and we rolled them up tight. You know, we had the kicks. Come on. And, and if that didn't work for you, we wore our hammer pants. You know, we just got to pray to make it today, right? We just got to pray, right? And we wore, we wore it proudly. We did, man. I, I had some big puff daddy pants. I mean, hammer pants. It just way out. And I was white. I didn't know it. Come on. You, no wonder why many of our friends would say, you know, I believe in God, but I don't want to dress that way. They looked at me and said, you're a fool. You know, and, and I looked around. And, but they, they really, if we just strap it down, you had to wear a certain thing. You had to dress a certain way. There were so many rules. There were so many regulations. And I just can't quite get there because if I have to wear those type of pants to pray, I'm out. If my friends, the ones that I invited all the time, would say, I want to believe in him, but with all the rules and with everything that you're going through, I just don't see any benefit on my side of the story. And my life is going fine. Why should I follow a God who tells me to do this and tells me to do that when it really gets in the way of what I really want to do in my own life? And I'm just, these are spiritual conversations that I've had over the years here in Kentucky. And I want to camp out on this just a little bit this morning today because if it's okay, because after my talks this week, my heart is broken. My heart is broken because I know we still got work to do. I thought we were past some of this stuff, but apparently not. You know, I just really, even, even in the walk this week, we're going, to be, we're going to be surrounded, literally. We're going, to, we're going to start off with some bad news, okay? Let's just put that. We're going to start off with some bad news, but then I'm going to get to some good news. And when I say this word religion, I'm not talking about Christianity, okay? I'm not talking about Christianity. It's totally different things. We got religion and Christianity. When I use the word religion from here, from this moment forward, what I'm referring to is, is man-made rules to try to please God. Okay? Is everybody with me so far? There's a difference between Christianity and just religion. And I, wanted, I want to talk first about the bad news about religion. And I, and I want to talk about the good news in Jesus. Okay? Uh, this week, uh, I had a family who, who, who uh, was, was at least open and honest and transparent with me. Uh, and, and it means a lot to me when you're open and transparent and you share in some of that pain and burden. 
Um, but a child uh, basically uh, got the privilege of, of, of getting a Nerf gun, okay? Uh, and, and when they got the Nerf gun, they were, the kid was enjoying the Nerf gun, and mom said, hey, leave it in the car. So the, the child left it in the car. And as the child was leaving in the car, you know, after the service, you know, guess where the child's going back to? Car. You know what the first thing he wants to pull out? Because it's new. It's a fun toy to play with. And, and, and literally, uh, you know, he brought it out and he was, you know, shooting those little whatever they are. And, you know, it's across, the, across the, the parking lot. And somebody in the church saw it. And they said, hey, you know, we need to have a conversation. And they did. They did put it to the side and said, hey, we just want to tell you that, you know, this is, this is not good. Kind of, kind of struggling with that one. Because um, if you go in my house, literally, you're going to find 30 Nerf guns. I'm just being honest with you. Um, I, I, I participate in those type of things with my son. I'm probably the world's worst. Uh, I, I shoot my sons all the time. You can judge me if you want to. I love it. I think it's the greatest tool in the world. Uh, get to your room. You know, and so they, they take off running. Now, you, don't judge me. Uh, but it's fun. It's fun. It's, it's, it's our time together in the house. And uh, you could say, what kind of house did you all raise in? But I, I could just look at and just say, man, I'm, I'm spending investing time. But here's this woman. And, and, and essentially, they, they pulled her aside and said, we don't do that here. And when they said that, they, they, I, I thought that, that was it. You know, that was the question. But then what took place next is they went home. And that leader of the church went to the elders of the church, the leaders of the church. And from that moment on, it just escalated. They had a meeting. And then in the meeting, they pulled her back in and her family. And they said, listen, because you're participating in Nerf gun wars, wars we're going to excommunicate you from the church. Wow. Guys, I'm just broken. That's, that's my hometown. We're, we have lost our brains if that's the gospel. Now, I understand there's some things of do's and don'ts, but that ain't one of them. That's a man-made rule. And that's a shame. We're going to have to own that one. We're going to have to own that one one day. And I just want to tell you one thing. If you've ever been hurt by the church, by something stupid like that, I want to say sorry as a pastor. I am sorry because I know some of you, and I know some of your stories, you've been hurt. And I'm publicly saying, I'm sorry. Because there's more. There's some good news. And his name is Jesus. You see, I believe religion, if we go back to my definition, religion has complicated what Jesus made simple. Religion has complicated what Jesus made simple. We have distorted the truth so much what God said with, with what man has said. And it's hurt so many of us along the way, and it's caused some to go out the door and never come back. Guys, we have a couple weeks here before Easter, and I'm telling you, it's your job, it's your role, it's your opportunity to share the good news. And I pray we will. And so if you're taking notes, here's the bad news first, right? Here's the bad news. Religion, religion focuses on the external. Religion focuses on the external rather than the internal. Religion focuses on the external rather than the internal. And if you've ever looked at somebody else and say, you're, you're claiming one thing, but you're not living in that, that's kind of hypocritical. That is exactly what Jesus was saying in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 25 through 26. He's saying it's, it's all about the external, and when I am more concerned about the internal. 
This is what Jesus himself was going after. And he said this in, in, verse, in chapter 23. He, he says it this way. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. And Pharisees is just another fancy word for religious folks. He says, you hypocrites. He's calling an ace and ace right here, guys. He said, you clean the outside of your cup and the dish, but the inside, they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Let's just break that down for a little bit. In other words, you're putting on this religious show on the outside, but it does not match up with your heart. It does not match up with your heart. He goes on to say this in verse 26. He says, you blind Pharisees. Now he's going after them. I love it. So when I get passionate, I'm just following Jesus, okay? I'm just doing what he does. He's blind Pharisees. First, you deal with the inside. Come on. You deal with this first. You clean the inside of the cup first. And then, guess what happens? And then the outside will be clean as well. It's just a natural overflowing portion. And so what does religion do? It focuses on the external And we try harder, we try harder and harder to close this gap between us and Jesus. And no matter how hard we try, we're never going to do it if we're focusing on the external things. Because of our sinfulness and our, and just our, 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 uh, you know, just basically the gap that's created by us. And God's holiness on one side by trying harder. We try harder and we try harder but just to do these things by being better, doing religious things, and being obedient to man-made rules, Nerf guns, that do not make any of us better in the eyes of God. Maybe you grew up in a church where you can't bring a Nerf gun to church or something else that's just weird. Or maybe you were forced to follow a, a, a certain set of religious rules that never made sense to you, but in the end... Here it comes, guys. They have actually defined who you are today sitting here. They've defined you completely. And if you're listening on, on online, they, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They have defined your culture. And I know people here today that are listening to this that have adopted crazy religious rules like, I just got to go to church because I have to because grandma said so. Right? but I got to give some money because the plates are coming around because Papaw taught me how to, right? But I got to be nice to them even though I don't like them. But I, I got to, you know, not be mean today because that's what my Sunday school person said or my pastor said so. Man, if I heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times, a pastor said so. What about Jesus said so? Just curious. But I need a little help this little lady across the street because it's the Christian thing to do. I would say it's, it's an amazing thing to do to help somebody else. Not because someone says so. If, if this stuff starts to penetrate the heart, you'll look for things that's just way bigger than this. What about the don'ts in life, right? There are some things I can't do, right? Now then we're going to push some buttons, and some might disagree with me, but what about this? I was taught this one. You don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't chew, and you don't run with girls who do. Come on. <laughs> Sunday school, fifth grade, just being honest. Anybody else? Or am I just the only one? We got one. She's going to raise snort. And then the answer this, why are always, why, why is this one the truth? Why are they always more fun, 
crew to be around. I mean, let's just be real. Ever been in, around church people? Versus those who are out here doing those things? Who's having more fun? Now, I'm not talking about worldly things, but just seriously, who's having more fun? You see, I was always taught if I do these things and don't do the bad things, then I maybe will be right with God. Hey, good things are not godly things. And you can have fun inside a church setting because it is fun to share and then do life with people. And I hope we create churches that people want to have fun because fun things are happening. And it's, and it's like you just don't want to miss out on this. It's like it's contagious. It's like a virus that's gone viral. See, you can follow Jesus and still have fun, and, and he can change the atmosphere all around us if, if it changes you from the inside. You see, what the religious stuff does, it's trying to close the gap with human effort. And Jesus said, don't do this stuff, you Pharisees, because that's what they're doing. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. They put on these big, huge religious shows. And the bad news is there are people still today putting on big, huge religious shows. They have the big hair. They have big time words trying to look, make them look smarter than you. And you're actually leaning in going, wow, holy sanctification, mollification. Whoa, what is that word? I want to be a part of that word. And you're just enamored by all the stuff going on. It's crazy talk, man. It really is. And Jesus calls it out. You're forcing religion on people is not the Holy Spirit coming into their hearts. They never have received. See, Jesus said this in John chapter 1, verse 12. He said, literally, you have to receive in order to believe, to become a child of the one true king. Around here, we just sort of skip the whole receive part, and we say, you believe. Believe this, believe that, and don't do this, don't do that, and you're a child. You're good. Got your golden ticket. Come on in. I've got friends that are now confused about what it means to believe in God because they never received him in the first place. And I'm walking with them now, and you can just see the brokenness on their hearts. You can see the brokenness on their face because they believe in something. It's a system versus believing in something that's real. Guys, that's, that's the gospel. We've set up things that are pharmaceutical, and it's just so Pharisee, and it's just horrible. They are trying to be the Holy Spirit, and it didn't work then, and it's not going to work in today's culture. Thus, that's why you see a mass exodus from church. And if you don't believe me, it's happening. People are leaving the church in droves because religion says change, and then you can come in. But Jesus simply says, follow me, and you will change. Guys, we've got to camp out on that one. We've got to push more to the pedal. We've got to go full throttle on Jesus. Because he will change lives. Bottom line. So quick history lesson. I love history. Uh, I just simply do. And I know some of you are all history buffs. But let's just see if you know anything about church history. You're probably like, what kind of church service is this if you're new with us? Yeah, well, we love history. 
So uh, this may bring some of you to the understanding of why we got here today, especially church rules. If you go back to the Old Testament and after Ezra and Nehemiah, books of the Bible here, uh, here, here's uh, what happened. The religious leaders looked and said, God's people were breaking the law, the Mosaic law, right? So they they set this in motion that, hey, wait a minute, there's some people breaking the law. And because they broke the law, they were in bondage. And so what we're going to do as people or leaders is we're going to come up with some new rules. We're going to make sure nobody breaks the law. And so by the law, we're speaking about what was known as the Torah, and which is describing the first five books of the Bible. And we're going to come up with some man-made rules that make it extra safe or give us that little extra, extra, the extra, the, you know, you see what I'm saying? They, they, they created this huge boundary around this so no one could fall, right? This is now, out of good intentions. Catch that one. Out of good intentions, man, it was become a bad, bad example of way of life because what God did set something in motion. Man, just follow what God did. I promise he's going to work out. We can't add this to the gospel. So this is what these, these, these jokers did. These religious leaders came up with over 600 600 brand new laws that became known as the fence laws, the fence laws. And these laws are going to protect the Torah. They, they are so intense that there are actually 65 different laws about the Sabbath, you know, the day the Lord has made. 65 different do's and don'ts about the Sabbath. And when later on someone compiled all these laws into a book in the third century known as the Mishnah, the book was over 800 pages long. And a book, one book, over 800 pages long that were full of man-made laws that added, only added to the laws of God. Now then, can you imagine Moses walking down with a book or 800 tablets? No wonder he made it simple with just two. And we can't even follow those two tablets very well. 600 of them? He made it more complex. Religion makes things more complex. This is why Jesus got so very passionate in Matthew chapter 23. He got very passionate and was so focused on on the people. He's like, listen, in verse 3 and verse 4, he says, Don't follow the example of the Pharisees, for they do not practice what they teach. I don't know if you heard that. Don't follow the example of the Pharisees, for they do not practice what they teach. So what do they do? They crush people with the unbearable righteous demands and they never lift a finger to ease the burden, he says. And if you've ever thought, I want to believe in God, but there are too many laws and too many rules, it's too oppressive. This is not a reflection of the heart of God. Never was. It never is. This is what people added to what God already established, his covenant to people. It's an additional works. It's an additional add-on trying to close the gap. And it does not reflect the heart of God, people. Anytime you think, kill joy God, I don't want that. Remember, kill joy God does not exist. The laws of God were established are not confined to us, but to free us. But to free us to have life that he wants us to live And I want to share with you the good news now about Jesus. And it can be basically described into one word. We talked about it earlier. It's love. It's simple. 
It's the simple gospel. We sang that song earlier. It's love. Here's what the good news about Jesus and the Apostle Paul, who found love through a relation, an intimate relationship with Jesus, said in Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Romans, Romans chapter 3, verse 20. He said, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works, by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we're becoming conscious of our sin. Verse 21, but now apart from the law of righteousness of God has been made known to which the law of the, the prophets testify. Catch this, 22. This righteousness, this righteousness is given through the faith in Jesus Christ to all who what? Come on. Believe. Say it with me. Come on. Believe. Come on, a little louder. Mm. What's up, verse in John 3, 16? You know it. Yeah, keep that in your hearts for a second. See, if you're taking notes, the first thing you need to know about God is you cannot earn God's acceptance by obeying the law. You can't. You see, religion says, please God by your works, do good, don't be bad, go to church, be a good person. You have to be baptized this way or the highway. Read your Bible, right? Bible people. Watch how Jesus loved and served. And you'll lean into that and you'll change your life forever. That's why the Apostle Paul was so adamant about sharing this verse with those in Rome because they were all about the law. 320 says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. By the works of the law. That means we got to be so focused on something. And so let's see what that something is. The second good thing about Jesus is, is this. The purpose, the purpose of the law is to show you your need of a Savior. The purpose of the law is to show you your personal need for a Savior. See, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works. You can work as hard as you want to. And you can try to follow all the laws you want to. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin, which is our need for a Savior. we got to see there's a disconnect, there's a gap. And I know people who I, I, I say I'm not a bad person, right? I'm not a bad person. Don't call me a sinner, right? Let's, let me just ask this. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? If we're just really honest, have you ever lusted? Covenant? If we're church people, we've gossiped. If you can't admit to the rest of them, you can admit to that one. It's safe. This is a safe place. Yeah, there we go. Got some hands finally going up. Somebody in the back going. And some of you, you've done all, all four. You've lied, you've stolen, you've lusted, you've gossiped, even this morning. The truth is we have all have done something. And we should know that there's something so much more, but we should know that we're a wretched person. We're a sinner, and I believe until you see yourself as a sinner, you will not see your need for a Savior. You'll play church. I don't know if you caught that one. That might sting a little bit. That's okay. Until you see yourself as a sinner, you really won't see yourself in need of a Savior. If you're taking notes, number three. The third thing is, is being right with God comes by faith in Christ alone. Not what the pastor says. 
Being right with God comes by faith in Christ alone. We can try to make man-made rules to make us look better or try to make us seem more faithful by the things we do. But the Apostle Paul clearly spells it out. Verse 22, the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ who all believe. So you may hear this and hear me, you know, dogging the church in general. You may right now come to the conclusion that's what I'm doing. I'm not. I'm just really camping out on what Jesus said and those who follow him said. What I'm saying is this. You don't need religion. You need Jesus. You grew up in religion in this area. You need Christ now because it would change your life. People for years have been talking about the morality or the, the, the moral entity, you know, if I could use that word, make it up real quickly. I don't think that's in the dictionary, but the moral entity, right? And what we need to be experiencing is Christianity, okay? We, we, when people walk away from the church, I feel like they're not rejecting Christ, but they're rejecting how Christ is wrongly represented inside the church. This is the difference between religion and Christianity, Religion is all about the performance, and Christianity is all about the perfect works in Jesus Christ alone. Religion is all about what I do. Christianity is all about what Jesus did. His perfect works, bottom line. Religion says, if I try harder, if I obey more, then maybe God will love me. Christianity says, and Jesus says, because God loves me first, I am accepted through Jesus Christ. And if I choose to obey or I want to follow in his ways, I want to because I want to be closer to that. Anytime someone says, I don't want to follow that God, he's a killjoy God. There are too many rules. There's too many regulations. We need to understand this, okay? That religion has complicated what God has made simple. It's always been simple to God. Religion adds to the simplicity of what the gospel has been made for. It's more me and you. And to my knowledge, that ain't truth. The story of, of Nicodemus is a powerful story. It's an amazing story. And if you don't know Nicodemus, basically Nicodemus was a Pharisee. A Pharisee who had a heart change. And during that heart change, this Pharisee, he was all about the law and, and, and trying to experience it. And then all of a sudden, he, he, was, he was teaching the law. He was, he was literally performing the law. He was performing rituals. And, but, but finally, in the middle of the night, he experienced Jesus. And it changed his life forever. And he went out and told the story to this next thing, this next Pharisee called Joseph of Arimathea. And if you don't know the story of Easter, you might want to camp out on this story just a little bit. Because if it wasn't for Nick and Joe, we probably wouldn't be celebrating Easter. Just being honest. You need to know their story. But I want you to hear Joseph, or excuse me, Nicodemus' story because it's very powerful. And the best way I know how to do it is just show you a quick video. So watch this. Six hundred and thirteen. I had six hundred and thirteen rules to follow. Can you imagine that? Can, can, can you even understand how many that is? And, and, and I, I knew every one of them, and I followed them, mostly. So 
there I am, sitting across from Jesus. And he looks at me and says, Nicodemus, it's not about the rules. <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing him, but essentially that's what he's saying. It's, it's not about the rules. Not about the rules. Look at this from, from my perspective. Um, I'd seen him come in the day before, and, and, and he had turned the temple upside down. This is the place, mind you, that, that I'd spent my life preserving. So you can imagine how much I wanted to have a talk with him in a secluded place at nighttime. How would you feel if someone, someone said to you, someone you respected, they tell you that Everything that you'd dedicated your life to had missed the mark completely. You're a fool. That's how you feel. So I said something to him. One rule that seems too good to be true because it was. Believe he's the Messiah. Believe he's the one that was promised. And, and he said it like he just glazed over it like it was some simple thing and then went on talking about good and evil and and I'm thinking, wait, go back, go back to where you took what was so complicated and made it not complicated. My whole life was in those complications. My, my religion was in those complications. Making sure to follow the details of the laws. I made sure that every T was crossed. I thought that is what was going to save me. 613 laws. I was wrong. It was love that saved me. For God so loved. Religion complicates with laws. Jesus simplifies with love. Religion has always complicated what God made simple and love the love of God with everything in you has changed you from the inside out. And you can try as hard as you want. I, I want to be better. I want to obey. And you can try everything by works. It's not going to work. It's simply opening up your heart and allowing God to work. And some of you have been, been pushed into this miss mode today, and you'll miss heaven by 18 inches because you have a ton of head knowledge, but you have no heart knowledge.
Nicodemus' life was flipped upside down when he had a spiritual conversation with Jesus in the garden that night. And he figured out for the very first time that religion complicates with laws, but Jesus simplified with love. I don't know where you're at today.